Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for Sunday, January 4th, 2015. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Dan McClintock, Minister of Missions and Family Life at Park Road Baptist Church. The sermon this morning is entitled, Epiphany, Christ Made Manifest. When you or I have an epiphany, it's described like that flashlight coming on in the cave as a moment of sudden insight or a striking realization which often comes unexpectedly. I've done campus ministry for more than 30 years and at the outset I was very close in age to the college students with whom I worked. They say doing campus ministry keeps you young. And I never felt too much of an age gap with my students until the day that our oldest daughter, Sarah, became a college student herself. Suddenly, I had an epiphany. I was old. (laughs) And not only that, I was less sure of exactly how I needed to deal with these college students who were the same age as my daughter. My sudden insight was confirmed when at about that time, my students began referring to me, hopefully affectionately, as Daddy Dan. (laughs) Fortunately, they still call me Daddy Dan and I hope to retire from campus ministry before they begin calling me Granddaddy Dan. (laughs) Does this type of epiphany have anything to do with the religious festival that we celebrate on January 6th or on the Sunday closest to that date as we are celebrating today? What is epiphanous? Don't you love that word? What is epiphanous about the manifestation of Christ to the wise men? Is there something unexpected or striking about it? The Magi came from the East, probably from Persia, and demonstrate how far God reaches to ensure that all people and I emphasize all, receive the good news of Christ's birth. Christ was born King of the Jews, yet he came not only for the Jewish people, but for the Magi, for non-Jews, for Gentiles as well. This surprising, unexpected truth is what we celebrate with the wise men and it is the message of Epiphany. As a religious festival, Epiphany was first celebrated as early as the mid-fourth century. In the Western Church, the central story is the manifestation of Christ to the Magi. But to a lesser extent, the baptism of Jesus and the miracle at the wedding at Cana are also linked to Epiphany. Jesus' baptism, because it represents his manifestation to the world 
as the Son of God. The wedding at Cana, because it marks the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, his showing forth as the suffering servant, Messiah. In Eastern or Orthodox churches, Epiphany ranks third among the most important festivals just behind Easter and Pentecost. In the Eastern Church, Epiphany celebrates the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. This event is given primacy by the Orthodox Church because it marks one of only two occasions when all three persons of the Trinity manifest themselves simultaneously to humanity. God the Father, by speaking through the clouds, God the Son, being baptized in the river, and God the Holy Spirit, in the shape of a dove, descending from heaven. The other occasion, when all three persons of the Trinity manifested themselves, was the transfiguration, the transfiguration of Christ on Mount Tabor. So as we approach our Epiphany celebrations on Tuesday, what are your plans? You are celebrating, correct? If you lived in France, as we did for nine years, you would certainly celebrate with at least one and probably many galettes de roi, king cakes. Pieces of this delicious, thin-layered, almond-filled pastry are cut, and then the youngest person in the family, representing innocence, goes under the table to decide who gets which piece. The person distributing the pieces says, c'est pour qui? This piece is for whom? And the person under the table will say, it's for mama or it's for papa. One of the pieces of cake contains a small porcelain figure, usually a character from the manger scene, perhaps even one of the magi. The person who finds the favor in his or her cake is the king or the queen for a day. This epiphany celebration begins in January and is repeated sometimes even until early March. The French do love their pastries. In Argentina, children leave their shoes by the door, along with grass and water, of course, for the camels, on the night of January 5th, and in return, they receive presents and candy on the morning of Epiphany. Groups of young people in Germany, called Star Singers, in honor of the star, go door to door dressed as wise men or kings. They sing and solicit donations for worthy causes and are offered treats in return. Given that treats and sweets and cakes for children are involved in all of these various Epiphany celebrations, 
It's a bit surprising that we here in America are missing out on the fun. So I leave it to you. <laughs> so can we learn something about our own spiritual journeys through this story of the Magi? I hope so. First, wise, the wise men studied the heavens and knew that an anomaly in the sky, a new star appearing, for instance, might signal the birth of a king. Parenthetically, I found it interesting that Martin Luther's comments on this passage included a warning against studying the stars. He indicated that it was, of course, necessary to know when the sun rises and when it sets, and where the sun is at noontime. But, and I quote, the rest is tomfoolery. Only fools pretend to know how large the sun is or how far the sun is from the earth. It was a different day. But the wise men somehow believed that God can be revealed through nature and that God's self-revelation is often surprising and unexpected. The Magi did not come looking for the Christ through preaching, liturgy, sacrament, a welcoming congregation, or a vital social ministry. They came seeking the Christ after studying the night skies. We think we know how God works to proclaim the gospel and to bring people to faith. And it's always wondrously surprising to realize anew that God's own work of embracing all people is more mystery than formula. God's ways are always bigger than our understanding. The Magi saw the light from the star at its rising, and they were willing to leave everything, if only for a time, and embark on a long and perhaps perilous journey in order to follow it. They were willing to take risks in order to encounter this new king. Can the same be said of us? We surely receive light for the journey, perhaps not in the form of a star, but light enough to make choices and decisions that are pleasing to God. Do we have the same strong desire and courage to follow whatever light we've been given that the Magi demonstrated? Interestingly, the Magi went to Jerusalem first, and it seems that the star was visible from there as well. We're told that the chief priests and scribes were consulted and that they knew the new ruler would come from Bethlehem of Judea. Yet, apparently, none of these Jewish leaders went with the Magi to seek out the new king. If they did, the scripture doesn't mention it. I wonder if perhaps they were too comfortable 
in their religious ways to give up what they knew for something new and as yet unknown. This may seem obvious, but I think it's worth mentioning that these wise men did not set out on this journey individually, but rather they journeyed together. As we've said, there were most likely more than three of them, not to mention someone to care for the camels, perhaps a cook, a few security guards to watch over the precious gifts, maybe some musicians to entertain at night around the campfire. In fact, the wise men possibly traveled with quite an entourage. There were no Lone Ranger wise men. In our own culture of rugged individualism, we may need to be reminded that no one is an island entire unto itself. Everyone is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. We need one another. We need one another for inspiration, for encouragement, for correction sometimes, and for companionship on the journey. For moments when the light on the horizon may be obscured, we need the light that we can find in one another. I do take issue with one of the decisions of the so-called wise men. If you're following the star that's presumably leading you to Bethlehem, why take a detour and go to Jerusalem? Why in inquire of Herod, the reigning king, where the infant, his supplanter, the rightful king of the Jews, has been born? Did they not imagine that this might cause a problem? And in fact, cause a problem, it did. Herod later, as you know, ordered all the boys under two years old in Bethlehem and its vicinity to be killed. Perhaps even the wise men were surprised that a king could be born in the small town of Bethlehem, in a manger, or as is more likely the case, in a cave. Perhaps even they assumed that the new king would be found in the rich palaces of Jerusalem, and so they took a detour. But God comes to us as God came to them in surprising and unexpected ways. Because they continued the journey and remained faithful, in the end, they knelt down before the baby Jesus, paid him homage, and were overwhelmed with joy. May we continue the journey and remain faithful, and may it be so for us. Amen. Thanks for listening today. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Thank you.
Grace and peace to you.